Welcome everyone to Live Wild with me, Hilary Rose. This is the podcast that sometimes challenges traditional thinking. In this episode, I speak with Shanti. We chat all about sexuality and spirituality. Shanti is an embodiment coach who helps to guide women back home to their bodies and to have an empowered relationship with their sensuality and eroticism. She offers one-to-one mentoring and also sensuality workshops. Pleasure across the board, like it's huge in its scope. And it is really what I believe like sustains us. It's like the fuel in our tank. Like when we are feeling a lot of pleasure, when we've experienced a lot of pleasure, we're flying high, like we're in a great form. You know, it shifts our our neurochemistry. Like we get this rush of feel good hormones that is um, so powerful. It, it, it um, is an antidote to cortisol, to stress. Mm-hmm. And so much of what we've been taught is that pleasure is a reward. Our pleasure should be a reward, right? After we've done all the hard work, we've worked all day, we're wrecked and then we can kind of go for what feels pleasurable mm-hmm. or we've been taught that pleasure is inherently sexual and so we can only reach for pleasure when we're in a sexual situation in a very sort of specific compartmentalized area of our life mm-hmm. right and so a lot of what I teach is about like undoing that and actually rewriting the script so that we teach ourselves and train ourselves to reach for pleasure first you can find out more information about shanti and her work on her instagram at fractals of freedom i found this chat so exciting it almost felt like we were helping to dismantle old belief systems that had been held deep within ourselves we talk about sexuality spirituality tantra consent safety toxic masculinity as well as toxic femininity, intimacy within friendships, hugging and above all, pleasure. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And now, here's the show. So it is my greatest pleasure to introduce Shanti to the Live Well podcast today. Thank you so much for coming and speaking with me today. Mm, It is my absolute pleasure, Hilary. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Thank you. Like, it's safe to say that we met probably this time a year ago mm-hmm. um, at a spiritual retreat. And we kind of, I think it's safe to say we kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. Our energies just totally clicked and we were like, yeah, something's something's good about this. And then I came to you for gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous restorative touch treatments, which was so beautiful. And you always give me so much time, which I'm sure you do with everybody, but it was, mm-hmm. I really appreciated the time you gave me during those sessions that we got to talk about the bigger things what I consider the bigger things and more important things in life um Mm -hmm. and it's just been so wonderful so I was like I have to get you on the podcast so Mm -hmm. we can discuss some of them not all of them maybe there's Mm -hmm. some of them are too big but (laughs) (laughs) so um so thank you for that so I suppose I mean I know a little bit about your background but I don't know an awful lot so let's like go back to the beginning and tell us how you got into the line of work that you're in what led you there Mm, absolutely yeah so I suppose reflecting on it I feel like I've always kind of had a natural draw towards the mystical I've always had a a very interesting kind of fascination and curiosity as well around sexuality and all things sex 
and I remember being in school in secondary school and like I was like oh yeah I want to be a sex therapist before I knew sort of any of this world that I'm sort of a part of um and field that I currently um teaching existed and um and then I finished school I was also really interested in psychology and just human behavior so I studied psychology and sociology in UL and then once I graduated I went to India for the first time which changed everything for me um and yeah I, I experienced um my sort of first and most profound spiritual awakening mm -hmm. and discovered a meditation and did a vipassana meditation a 10-day uh, silent meditation retreat which was incredibly life-changing and, and a huge turning point for me and so that really set me on this journey of like wow i really want to to share this and and learn this and go deeper into this and so that was about one or two years where i was really into mindfulness really into meditation i found an amazing um program with the University of Aberdeen. I ended up doing um, part of a three year master's. I just did one year. Um, so I did a postgrad. I became certified as a mindfulness teacher. And then I ended up actually moving to India uh, when I was 25 and then went on a, an amazing series of explorations and deep dives into spirituality and mysticism and just the nature of reality and who am I and why am I here and asking all those big questions and um, and finding some really interesting answers and um, and then I very much uh, got into Tantra more specifically Neo-Tantra um, it had come across a previous, uh, across my past on a previous um, trip to India, but I was able to go much more deeply into it when I was living there and did various trainings in it and began to uh, do circles with women. So I did a, a teacher training in women's circle facilitation and I started to sort of share these different practices and tools on how to become better in tune with our body, with the body itself, with the wisdom of the body um, and a greater understanding of the feminine principles within our bodies. Um, and then how can we relate to our sexuality and our sensuality in a way that feels really empowering, that feels really uplifting, that feels just really good, really joyful and pleasurable. Um, because as I'm sure many of us know, that's not often the case. And we have many factors within our society that have had us um, oftentimes develop a more tricky, complex um, relationship with our bodies, our sensuality and our sexuality. And also, I feel like the current system that we live in is a very masculine, minded system not mm -hmm. just from a patriarchy sensibility but also in the sense that everything is go 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 everything mm -hmm. is about achieving it's about action it's about this outward energy flow all the time which is quite a masculine way to live and I have found myself burnt out many times because of that because I hadn't because I was switched into the masculine and switched out of my feminine Mm -hmm. And as you say, the feminine is just, it's, rece it's receptive, it's sensual, mm -hmm. it's open and receiving. And, uh, and like you mentioned, it, there is there's power in that and there is empowerment in that. But I don't think that we're necessarily 
taught that we're taught that the power lays within this masculine drive and therefore we should all be this way and i think both for men and women men who are who are raised in that manner and women but men needs to men need to switch back into their feminine as well into that receptive allowing surrender almost you know not mm -hmm. to say that you surrender on the couch all day every day but you know <laughs> that there has to be that element the balance between the two i guess mm, yes absolutely and I, I fully, fully agree with what you said, um, Hilary, and it's very much that we have been taught and, and conditioned to believe that productivity is king. Mm -hmm. How much can we achieve? How much can we produce? Right. It's like almost this mechanical way of viewing ourselves when we're not machines, we're not these productive, like constantly going and doing and achieving beings like we're actually humans and we you know are messy we make mistakes we move in cycles you know women and men mm -hmm. and it is a little bit different obviously because our biology is different um you know and then there's also people who are uh, non-binary and who are intersex and so it's also different for them but there's also just this this really huge recognition that has been negated within our society within our culture at large and that is just that we we do not operate in a linear way healthily like mm -hmm. th that's so unsustainable and this piece around the feminine which is cyclical by very by its very nature when we look at the earth and we think of how feminine the earth is like the feminine is this this womb essentially of life that is constantly growing and blooming and and producing creating new life and the earth moves in cycles right she has her four seasons and similarly within our own bodies especially as women if we have a menstrual cycle we literally move through four distinct seasons each month mm. and this is again something that's still relatively new it's not starting to be more openly spoken about which is amazing um, but just for men as well to know because whether we're female male non-binary whatever orientation we identify with we have these masculine this masculine energy and this feminine energy present and alive within us mm. it's it doesn't actually relate to gender it's about these archetypal energies and the energy of of the masculine is very much about consciousness presence witnessing um forward moving energy so it is very linear and then the feminine is very much about creation, right, about flow. And it's very much about cyclical movement, like this spiral. So the masculine, we can think of like this straight line. And the feminine is very much this spiral. And so we have both of these energies within us. And so it's how can we actually develop a relationship with both? How can we come, become more aware that we have both inside of us? and that we need to honor both our lives need to have space where we can be in this masculine energy it's healthy it's needed and mm -hmm. we can also be in this feminine energy which is healthy and needed we need both like you mm -hmm. said in that balance mm. i love that and it's like um i sometimes feel that 
that isn't celebrated enough, the balance between the male and the female. And I always say as well, when it comes to relationships in particular, the perfect marriage is the marriage within yourself. That's what I try mm -hmm. to achieve. Mm. If I can achieve that balance and that relationship with myself and within myself, most of the other relationships in my life tend to work a lot better as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100% agree mm. with that. Yeah. So you were talking about earlier, you talking about the circles that you ran for women, and it's something that you do host here in Ireland and probably further, further afield as well. Tell mm. us about the Yoni circles that you do. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. So the Yoni circles were very much born from these um, times that I had both in, in Asia, um, you know, at home. I, I've traveled extensively. I've been very fortunate to be able to travel uh, quite a lot in the last 10 years, and I was able to learn a lot, experience a lot. And there was just this huge call to come back to Ireland during the middle of the pandemic mm -hmm. in 2020 and really start to share with the, the sisters, the women here in Ireland, what I had been learning and, um, and sharing in other parts of the world. And so the Yoni circles, um, first of all, starting with the name. So Yoni means is a Sanskrit word, which means sacred space or place where all of life comes from. Mm -hmm. And it's typically sort of people typically refer to it as the vagina, but actually it refer it encompasses all of the female reproductive organs. So that's the vagina, the vulva, the uterus, uh, the ovaries, the fallopian tubes. And so the Yoni circles are these gatherings with um, those of us who identify as women and we come together and we week by week we explore a different theme or topic relating to the feminine so whether that's sensuality menstrual cycle awareness and sort of the understanding of the wisdom of the womb mm -hmm. um self-pleasure practices understanding polarity so the masculine and the feminine and it's a really, really beautiful journey where just time and again, I've seen women sort of come out of themselves and share from a really authentic, vulnerable place, their lived experiences. Um, and we talk about topics that are very much considered still taboo in our in our culture and, um, you know, in a very safe, confidential, sacred space. And what this does, the alchemy, the power of this space, of these circles is really, really profound and is such an honor for me to, to be able to witness and be a part of. And what sisters come back to me time and again saying was it was so profound to know that I'm not alone, mm. to know that my struggles, my fears, my insecurities, my, my pain, my trauma, like I'm not alone in that. We're actually all in this together. And that's what's just so powerful about being able to be in this field of like sacred sensuality and sexuality is that there is so much shame and shame breeds through uh, secrecy, right? Mm -hmm. When we don't talk about it, that's when shame really festers and grows. And so in these spaces, when we come together and we can just witness each other sharing our truth, our lived experiences, so much healing happens from that. So, wow. Uh, mm. Wow, that's mind blowing. And I, I, I've often looked at you because yeah, I follow you on Instagram and I've often looked at you um, 
you're hosting the circles and I look at my calendar and I go, I'd kind of love to do it. And mm. then this part of me instantly withdraws. Mm. It's so interesting. And I wonder, is it that not that like not that I have massive amounts to hide or anything, but I wonder, is it this ingrained sense of shame? Mm. That, oh, my goodness. You know, ha, you know, what would a circle look like? How would I show up within that circle? Mm. Is it safe to do so? And you've mm. answered all this question, all these questions already. But I find myself actually withdrawing every time I go mm. to look at it. So I will join it at some point. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a friend about it and she was like, oh, my God, it sounds amazing. And then we were just discussing and I'm sure this is a question you get all the time and it might make you laugh. But I was like, do you have pants on during mm -hmm. this? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's such a valid question. It's such a valid question. And now I've taken to because I, I do get that asked that question a lot. <laughs> I've taken to actually writing that in the description. Like, oh, you know, like awesome. there's 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 no genital showing in, in at any stage. It's very much um, keeping our pants on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Mm. Just for people who are interested are like, OK, OK, we can keep our pants on. That's fine. And <laughs> um, you, you mentioned as well all your training in India, which, oh, my my goodness, I think we could probably do five hours of a podcast podcast just on that alone, because I would be I'm so interested in all you have to say about it. But you brought up Tantra, which is something, again, that I'm very interested in. And I have been for a very long time. And again, I, I remember in the 90s, there was a, Tantra became like this kind of pop idea because um, the singer Sting and his wife, they were, you know, they they came out and said they practiced tantric sex and everybody was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Does this just mean, does all that mean that you can have sex for hours? Wow, great. And I'm sure that's part of it, but it's, it's so much more than that. And I know when you view it from different tra traditions and if you v view it through a different lens, there's always going to be different viewpoints as to how to explain it or what it is mm -hmm. I mean, my very very basic understanding of it is that it's a weaving together mm -hmm. um of an of an of an energy of you know i suppose from the unseen to the scene mm -hmm. both energy and physically but mm -hmm. i'm going to leave it to you to explain it in so much more as you can because mm -hmm. you're going to do a far better job than i ever could <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, like you said, it is definitely quite a big question and, and so hard to kind of pin down and knuckle down. Um, and, and there are so many different viewpoints and perspectives within this field, and it is very broad. Um, and I suppose, yeah, the kind of best way to go about it is that Tantra kind of maybe starting with the word, like you said, so it does mean to weave the word itself and also tan and tra can be separated into liberation or expansion and then cont of consciousness. Mm. So Tantra is essentially a, um, a methodology, a methodology, a practice, um, you know, a, a, a life path, you know, a way of, of living that allows us, allows the practitioner to and supports the practitioner to be able to expand their consciousness, to be able to understand themselves as divine, mm -hmm. to reach a state of transcendence. And within Tantra, there's sort of two main branches. There's the classical Tantra and then there's the Neo Tantra. And so classical Tantra is, you know, ancient it's it stems from you know before hinduism and there's various um different uh, religions that incorporate branches of tantra so like there's buddhist tantra mm -hmm. um you know there's the tantra of ancient india 
and Tibetan Buddhist Tantra. And so within the classical Tantra, the sort of practices are very much based around using visualizations, using mantra, using um, ceremonies, pujas or rituals, using fire rituals and things like that. And it's um, very much handed down from guru to disciple. So it's very much in these lineages um, and, you know, the, the practitioner follows quite a strict protocol and it's very much a, a path of deep, deep devotion. Mm. And so sexuality is still a part of that. What really attracted me to, sex, uh, to Tantra in the beginning is that it's it was a sort of a spiritual practice that very much incorporated sexuality mm -hmm. it didn't leave it out mm -hmm. where so many religions and other f aspects and, and forms of spirituality oftentimes don't include sexuality which to me was like whoa like why like it's huge it's such an yep. integral fundamental part of the human experience and um and then there's neo tantra which is new age tantra which as the, the name suggests is relatively new and sort of became very popular in the 90s. Again, just why I was talking about it. Um, very much popularized by Osho and various other teachers. So Osho very much brought it to the West. And, um, and what differentiates it is that it is very much, uh, the focus is much more on sex and sexual practices and it's very much open to anyone so anyone can take a class anyone can learn it it's not within that strict lineage um format and um and the focus is very much on like personal development and like self-healing and like a better understanding of our bodies of our boundaries of our needs and of ourselves as sexual erotic beings mm. um so yeah well, just to speak into that a little bit more, I suppose. Um, so Neo-Tantra, I think, is what most people think of when they think of Tantra. So that's, again, because it was so popularized in the West, mm. people think Tantra, they think tantric sex, automatically the assumption goes to that. Like you said, it's all like, oh my God, how can we learn to have sex for, you know, five, six, seven hours straight, you know? Mm. Um, and, and yes, there is that. And yet there's also so much more. And so to kind of bring it back into what you shared at the beginning when you asked this question was about that weaving. And it very much is that weaving together of not only sort of teachings and practices and tools and techniques, but it is this weaving together of this understanding, this awareness that we are both physical beings of physical matter in this dense 3d reality we're also these energetic spiritual multi-dimensional beings mm. and so it's coming to an understanding of uh, of sex the practice itself whether it be with ourselves or with others with this understanding of how can i come to know myself and my partner partners as both spirit and matter earthly and celestial so that adds such, um, yeah, so many layers to that. That is really, really beautiful to explore. Mm. Oh, so many layers, so many amazing layers. And I love when you talked about Tantra as a religion and spirituality and sexuality being linked. I feel like, and I've always felt this from a very, very early age, but I really couldn't put a shape on it, that 
my sexuality and spirituality were very deeply linked and I still believe that okay. it's it, for me it's it's one and the same really because it, for me it's like your your sexual life force is your chi it's your and you know and like you get to make human beings from it. Mm -hmm. you bring you know beings from the unseen realm into the seen realm it's mind-blowing what our bodies can do mm -hmm. And also then to 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 go back to your conversation when you talked about religion and how it has excluded sexuality mm -hmm. in a sense where it's so intrinsically linked with your spirituality mm -hmm. and yet religion wants to promote spirituality or that is intrinsically linked with spirituality. So how therefore then can they and not all religions, but some of them just completely wipe sexuality off their off their literature or or mm -hmm. if it is to be explored, it's in this almost negative, shameful sense, you know, mm -hmm. that that never made sense mm -hmm. to me ever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Me neither. And I always it's always such a big question mark. I was like, but why? Mm -hmm. but like, like where? Like how? how did this happen why is that and that was a big question that i went and and t t seeking answers when i went to india um you know I'd, I'd already been sort of exploring my spirituality before that because i was raised in a very religious but on the slightly more spiritual side of like christianity but the whole story of the bible as it was presented to me in school and from my parents never sat right with me um and i loved what you said about that innate sort of knowing of like how they're so intrinsically linked and like you said it's like our sexual our life force energy is our sexual energy it is our chi it is the energy of pure creation mm -hmm. and when we think about like what is god like what is the universe what is source or whatever word we want to put on it of course we don't know that's the ineffable mystery but what we do know is that it is a creator right mm. and so when we know ourselves as creators right when we're consciously in this relationship with our life force sexual energy we know we can start to create with that energy and hence that puts us in direct knowing of ourselves as 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 gods as goddesses as creators right as divine mm. beings very powerful beings absolutely amen to that i mean it is like we are the co-creators we are god is within us i believe and we are god itself or an expression of it or universe or consciousness or whatever way you know you or spirit whatever you want to call it and mm -hmm. so th this brings me back to in my view sexuality and sex being sacred like I really view it as something really, really sacred. And I, I, I suppose I didn't always, I did actually as a teenager, funnily enough. And then I probably went through my twenties and had a couple of hurts, you know, and, um, but then I've really come full circle back to know that this is really sacred and the relationship within that for me is really, really sacred, you know? And I think it's a beautiful, I find it a much more gratifying, um, way to to live really and to to practice mm -hmm. relationships um mm -hmm. for those who are i suppose i'm going to call it tantric curious what where would you direct them like to literature or mm -hmm. where you know where would you find i suppose yeah. the stuff that the answers to the stuff that you and i are talking about yeah that's a great question and obviously there's there's so many routes that people can go on um you know, there's 
So, so some people that are coming to mind, like um, Barbara Corellas is a, an amazing teacher. Um, so she has a book called Herba Tantra and she also does trainings. She does workshops. She's based primarily in the US, but I believe she, she does travel around. Um, she's an amazing resource. Um, obviously Osho, you know, if you're curious, mm -hmm. you know, from sex to super consciousness was one of his sort of most famous books. He's got so many books. Mm. Um, he's one is literally called Tantra, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he obviously is a very controversial figure. So, mm -hmm. you know, but whatever, you know, sparks your curiosity as I'm sort of sharing some of these, um, these names and titles, um, yeah, finding God through sex. David Daida is oh, another. Oh yes, is I've read his work. Author. It's lovely. Yeah, it's, yeah, very, very poetic. He speaks a lot about masculine and feminine and polarity. Mm. Um, the work of Jan Day has been recommended to me. I can't recommend it personally, but she does apparently very sort of like gentle um, introductions into tantra and mm. sacred sexuality. Um, and then there is obviously the International School of Temple Arts, or ISTA, mm -hmm. which is also very well known, but that's very much um, a school that is, the trainings are quite intense and full on. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend starting with books, um, you know, doing some some courses, you can definitely find amazing workshops more and more in ireland now thankfully mm. you know either in person or online obviously the yoni circles if you're a woman um i do sensuality workshops so starting to like dip toes in um you know and and i always recommend moving like slowly in a titrated way um you know one percent at a time five percent at a time um yeah. but yeah allowing your curiosity to sort of guide you because this this work is you know it's it's big stuff it's big stuff because there is a lot there you know there's a lot of collective baggage let's say that we have inherited as a nation mm -hmm. as we all know with our ball and chain of the old catholic guilt that we uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that we do carry mm -hmm. um so you know it can it, it it is a journey and an exploration that will bring up that will bring up stuff you know, that yeah. will bring up stuff up. So that's why, you know, recommending starting slow with books and with friends, you know, like doing it in community. Mm. For me, like community is so, so, so important as we navigate this, you know, new earth, this, this, these new paradigms that we're creating together. Community is, is everything is so important. So, yeah. Mm. I, I like that you say dip your toes in and have, you know, go do 1%, do 5%. Because I always feel mm. when you start something new as well, I, I I've finally learned, which took me a while um, to give myself grace periods or periods of integration after I start something like that, because it takes a while for you to process it through mm -hmm. your emotional body and your physical body, as well as like getting your head around the logic of what this actually is. And because it's so complicated, mm -hmm. but I think, you know, as you go down the line, it kind of does hopefully slot in into mm -hmm. place. Um, and it may not be for for everybody either is the yeah. other thing, you know. Yeah. Um, you touched on something, um, but I'd like to go back to, and you talked about, um, whether you're in a relationship or whether you're single for, for people who are single that are feeling like, oh, well, like, you know, how am I supposed to, um, have a, a pleasure practice or a sexual practice or a tantric practice or a sacred sex practice, whatever it might be. How, do, what does that look like for somebody who is single? Um, and if you're in a partnership as well, where there's maybe the other person in the partnership isn't willing 
to go down that route or is just not interested is just like mm -hmm. okay great sounds fabulous but it's just not interested mm -hmm. how do, how does one navigate that in particular if you're single mm -hmm. yeah i love that and i'm yeah for me it's like something i come back to again and again is like the most important relationship that we will ever have is the relationship we have with ourselves mm -hmm. and you know that's true across the board and then when it comes to like our erotic selves our sexual selves you know we are the one person that is never going to leave us right we're, we're the one person who's always going to be in the mood we are we're that one person who always knows exactly where we want to be touched right what feels good what doesn't mm. And while we might not always know that, like from the get go, especially like what our desires are, um, what our turn ons are, um, developing this like self pleasure practice is this incredible opportunity to get really, really curious and really, really playful, and to 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 start exploring, and setting aside whether it's you know fifteen minutes every couple of days or an hour once a week to start to you know read your little tantra book get some practices going and set some set aside some sacred space mm. and and integrate that into your life so for me like i did one year of intentional celibacy um and that was such a, a huge experience in terms of like that very that very piece of like who am i what like who am i as a sacred sexual being what really turns me on how can i feel really safe in my body mm. right as a sexual being because many of us unfortunately have experienced some level of of pain or trauma or not feeling safe in a sexual experience mm -hmm. right and so when we're just with ourselves there's no pressure, there's no expectations, there's no one else to think about, we can focus fully on ourselves. So I always recommend before even going into like partnered practices to start with ourselves, because it, it really is like, you know, the starting point of everything. Mm. And the more time that we cultivate that relationship with ourselves, nourishing ourselves, our sexual capacity will grow. Our capacity to feel pleasure will grow. Our capacity to feel safe and present in our bodies during sex will grow. And so it's a gift that will keep on giving the more we um, the more we invest in it, the more time and energy and curiosity we invest in it. Mm. And I love that. And I guess it's about as well trusting in oneself mm. and trusting in the curiosity and trusting that um that it's safe to do so mm. I, I i always think as well and again this goes back to like the old the old religious ways in ireland where there's just so much shame or guilt around it and it's like particularly for women i think there seems to be still a shame or a guilt around self-pleasure where it's kind of expected of a, of a of a man, but not so much as a woman, and not really mm -hmm. spoken about as a woman as well. Mm -hmm. And I and there's a woman called um, Kim Anami, and you can find her online, um, and she does some great work. And she one mm -hmm. of her her mantras is uh, meditate and masturbate, and I always love that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so That's great. Amazing for really anchoring yourself down. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're sitting meditating and you just can't clear your head or there's whatever it is, 
that's a very fast way to clear your head and anchor 100%. yourself back into your body. I yes. love that. <laughs> yes, amazing, amazing, absolutely. And Barbara Corellis um, talks about this as well. She calls it a medibation. So a masturbation mm. and a meditation in one. So it is where you do start to, to use your self-pleasure practice as a form of meditation. And that again is like uniting like the sex and the sacred, you know, where, where mm. it becomes one. And, you know, that's when we can tap into some very, profound expansive blissful states mm-hmm. um and i'm really glad that you did bring that up about the the shame and the taboo um because in the yoni circles like of all of the sort of different topics we speak of self-pleasure practices is one where sisters you know we all repeatedly share how how sort of much of a wall there can feel like an invisible wall there to break mm. through because of all the things whether it's you know sex or periods or whatever it is um like f- masturbation is is so taboo for women especially it's really really interesting so so it is such a such a process to get to that place of like feeling like yes i want to do this for myself um you know and following following desire like following our desire is so important like asking ourselves like a little bit of reflection like what would feel really wonderful to explore you know mm. and, and and see where that see where that takes you see where it goes yeah i mean i have some friends i mean i'm in my my uh, early 40s very early 40s i'm gonna add that but um <laughs> i have friends who are again are the same age as me and they have never self-pleasured and that I, 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 it blew my mind i was like what mm-hmm. <laughs> what how do you know what you like or how do you know what you don't like and it's like yeah. well i've never really thought about it or i've never really it's like it's it, it feels like such a massive um just you're ignoring such a massive part of yourself mm. and I, there's a quote uh, well it's actually lyrics of a song of a madonna song and i was a madonna fan when i was younger as well so maybe this is what led me down this path of curiosity um and the lyrics are poor is the man whose pleasures depend on the permission of another and that always stayed with me mm. it really is and i feel like if you're not self-pleasuring you're you you are depending on the permissions of another for pleasure yeah. and so what does that look like or or if you're in a relationship that you need to ask for something, what's the best way to even approach that without insulting your partner or making them feel less confident or less than? Mm-hmm. It's a really sensitive yeah. thing to try and cover. Like, what's your advice there? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And yeah, it's that the, the lyrics of that song are so like touching on something so big there because mm-hmm. it's so true and, and so many of us can get caught in that trap and I've very much been there myself in the past of like of of outsourcing my pleasure to my partner and depending on them and relying on them and then getting frustrated when they're not giving me the pleasure that I want because I'm and I'm not asking for it I'm just Mm -hmm. assuming that they know what I want that they know what I like right Mm -hmm. and so so like something I I teach in the circles is like you know your pleasure your responsibility or your orgasm your responsibility and the more the more that we do develop this knowing of like what are my turn-ons what does what touch does my body respond to Mm. the more we know that the more awareness we have the more equipped we are to then express our needs and our desires sexually to our partner Mm. and it is very much a sensitive sensitive conversation to have i personally think it's really nice to have that conversation before things get very sexual 
of course spontaneity doesn't always make that possible um but you know it can be really nice whether it's a new partner or someone you've been seeing for a long time to sit down just for a couple of minutes and be like okay like what what do you desire like what are some of your desires right now what what way would your body like to be touched and just opening up a little bit of a dialogue and then if you're in the heat of the moment and your partner is doing something that doesn't maybe feel so great maybe just expressing like oh it felt amazing when you touched me like this could you do mm. a little bit more of that you know there's ways of gently steering them like oh you know i'm really desiring i would love it if you could x y and z mm. Mm. rather than oh my god i'm you know leaving it to the point where i'm so frustrated yeah this isn't working ah yeah. you know yeah. and it all or blows stop up doing face. that or don't yeah. do this you know like <gasps> gently guiding them redirecting them towards what does feel really good um but in a way that's encouraging and empowering um yeah someone for both parties empowering for both parties yes. i reckon yeah yes yes exactly because mm. i feel like as well i mean i was thinking about this recently i feel like men must be terrified some of them in a sense at the moment because i i know if i were a man i would be i i think worried about my own sexual expression meaning mm my sexual prowess or my physical power or my passion i would be worried actually that it would be misconstrued for aggression or violence mm -hmm. or and i think there's so much wrapped up in that now and that men are i feel like a lot of men are really frightened of maybe their own power or or maybe being told that their own power is toxic and that's where we talk about the toxic masculinity but in a sense there's no celebration mm -hmm. about men's passion, men's power, physical power, and how it can be used wisely, how it can be used in balance and um, to have really passionate lovemaking, but also to, be, to for it to be tender as well, you know, yeah. and uh, like, what do you feel about the, the, the toxic or the talk of toxic masculinity that's so prevalent at the moment? Yeah, I feel like I, I definitely agree with you in that it, it definitely isn't easy to be a man right now, you know, in, in the current climate and how things have been unfolding in the last couple of years post Me Too and all of the revelations and just there's been so much um yeah there's been so much like shadow you know mm. um all of which was necessary all of that conversation Absolutely. was so necessary and like a long time coming but then for Absolutely. the men that aren't involved in that it must be so oh yeah. god they must feel like they're in this space of not knowing what where to go next you know yeah 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 mm. so what i would say to that is to educate yourself you know both for men and women but for men especially educate yourself in consent consent mm. and boundaries the mm. consent is huge and it's been so lacking in our education around sexuality mm. you know for, for for both parties but so often because we live within these systems of oppression and the patriarchy being one of them you know there has been like what patriarchy is is, is a system that defaults power and authority to men right so we know that as women, we have been very repressed and subjugated, you know, in many ways, but sexually, um, especially. Mm. And so men do have this sort of understanding this, this programming, this conditioning sometimes, which which unfortunately is quite toxic in that, you know, seeing themselves as maybe um, 
more dominant or needing to be more dominant sexually which can be quite painful um to be the recipient of and porn completely perpetuates this right Mm -hmm. where it's like the focus is very much on the man's pleasure and it can be quite aggressive you know very fast um you know intense very unrealistic and so as a man i would recommend educating yourself on consent on boundaries on how to have a conversation with a partner on getting to know what it is she wants and she needs and the most important thing that i would say to any man like the greatest gift that you as a man can give to a woman is to prioritize her safety above all else above Mm. all else if you can make your partner or even any woman feel safe that will go so 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 far it's so Mm. healing to be held in the 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 witnessing presence of a man that makes you really feel safe absolutely absolutely Mm. it's and it's so lacking i think as well and i think in a sense you know because women have have become so strong in themselves in the sense that they've had to become Mm. so strong in themselves they've had to engage their inner male quite a bit to protect themselves Mm -hmm. because i think like you said there's a lack of education Mm -hmm. um whereby men maybe have not all men and again we're going to say this hands up not all men yeah yeah um have possibly slipped in that area and i always feel like if you like just to echo what you're saying like if you make a woman feel safe she can and will give you everything in that moment mm-hmm. and there's nothing more beautiful or more sacred than than i suppose being the staff in the ground and holding the space for her to go absolutely wild mm-hmm. you know in that moment and exactly. and that is an expansion of consciousness when you talk into yeah. tantra or any of that kind of stuff you know yeah yeah exactly yeah. and that's the essential ingredient mm. for female sexuality for us to actually experience all of the pleasure the orgasmic potential the expansion that is possible for us Mm. we need to feel safe we need to feel safe like it's it's literally impossible like our nervous system if it's any way feeling threatened Mm. we cannot relax enough we cannot open enough our bodies will not open our yonis will not open if any level of threat is detected Mm. so again like safety is huge safety is everything in general and especially when it comes to sexuality Mm. um and just to to share an amazing resource around consent and boundaries is that i would highly recommend and that i share um a lot on is the work of dr betty martin Mm-hmm. And so she does amazing work um, around the wheel of consent. She's just published a book a couple of months ago and she's many free resources on her website and on YouTube. Mm. So Dr. Betty Martin. Yeah, Beautiful. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. I mean, amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, so we've spoken as well about um, toxic masculinity and what that looks like, but there's less of a conversation being had publicly about toxic femininity. Mm-hmm. Um, what in your eyes does that look like? Mm, to me, toxic femininity is people pleasing, is constantly putting the needs of others ahead of ourselves mm. and very much falling prey to the dominant narrative around what it means to be a woman what it means to be beautiful um you know very much being so caught up in that web of 
you know, um, external appearances only and, you know, being nice and being pretty and being, mm. you know, quote unquote, perfect um, to be sort of validated and accepted. Mm. And, um, you know, and also like, yeah, and, and kind of being caught in just just a lot, a lot of kind of superficial superficiality that mm. um that I think sometimes can go hand in hand with a lot of like you know consumerist ideologies and um and the beauty industry you know and I think it's definitely possible to be interested in you know makeup and hair and and beautiful clothing and all of those things um and also be deeply spiritual and you know devoted to whatever practices you know speak to your soul mm-hmm. um you know it's possible to have both but I think it can become toxic when it's only one when it's only veering on the side of like how can I present myself this this pretty perfect package of myself to the world that's so inauthentic that's so far removed from how I actually deeply feel inside Mm. um that to me is um you know in order to be accepted and liked and loved that to me is kind of what I my perspective Mm. of toxic femininity Mm. and that's so interesting because I feel like sometimes if there's lack of awareness Mm. That's just something that has been almost imposed upon us. And so, you know, I probably would have found myself in that that uh, mindset at some periods in my life. Yeah, um, me too. And, and, and it is. And, and, and I, f- I found when I was in that kind of mindset, I felt less than mm-hmm. and I felt resentful. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I felt that nothing I ever <laughs> did was kind of good enough or, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I agree that it's it that was so toxic. Mm-hmm. Um and I suppose I searched for my validation um externally rather than yeah. internally. Whereas yeah. now and I, yeah, you look I love makeup, I love nice clothes, you know, and I'll still go down that road always. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I feel like my validation now comes from an internal source, mm-hmm. always, or at least that's what I strive to. And perhaps that be that is because of the work that I've done on, I suppose, my own consciousness or, or trying to expand my consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can like you say, I, I, I agree with your version of toxic femininity as well. But it's like if there's no awareness there, how how, how does one even start the journey back from that or away yeah. from that you know yeah that's a that's a really great question and i feel like actually how so many aspects of our society has been set up so many of the paradigms in place and so many of the, the programs that have been programmed into us as as children mm-hmm. actually does set us up to to veer into either toxic femininity or toxic masculinity mm-hmm. like that unfortunately has you know, become quite normalized, you know, and it's only now, like in the last couple of years, like five, 10 years, so much of that's coming to the surface, like actually this isn't serving us. Actually, this isn't healthy. This Mm. isn't supportive. This is actually creating further separation rather than bringing us together. And so that's why I think like your work is so important and all of, you know, these pieces, these opportunities to share ideas and and discuss and grow awareness, build awareness, you know, why there's such a huge thirst and hunger for spirituality, for something of greater depth where we can come into spaces where we can expand our consciousness and start to notice like all of these areas of toxicity within our own lives. Mm. Because yes, 
I have seen the toxic feminine very much in my own life and the toxic masculine as well. You know, they've been playing out in the unconscious, in the shadow. And so this, for me, a huge part of like spirituality and tantras, such a big part of that is, is shining the light of awareness on all of these unconscious behaviors and patterns and mm. thoughts um, that are there within us, um, within us all and, and bringing them to the light and, and bringing them into to integration and wholeness. Mm. I love that. And, it, and I guess the way to do that for me has always been to not to shy away from the uncomfortable thoughts. And I did that for so long in every aspect of my life, in every area. And it got to a point where I was like, no, okay, I can't, I can't run from this anymore. I want to know myself. I want to know myself. And if, if even it, cause it spilled over into my relationships mm. so much. Um, and I felt if I don't know myself, how am I going to know myself in a relationship? Mm. Or if I don't know myself, am I the problem in the relationship, in all the relationships? You know, when you become the common denominator of like <laughs> being pissed off with everybody, you're like, okay, maybe the problem is actually me. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wanted to take the deep dive in to know myself and face it and go, okay, this is what my shit looks like. This is what it smells like. And it's not nice, Let's, mm -hmm. but let's get into it because mm -hmm. otherwise you're just going to carry it for the rest of, well, I felt I was going to carry it for the rest of my life mm -hmm. and that it would just be a burden, an awful burden on me. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, know? it's exhausting. Yeah. It is exhausting. Yeah. It is exhausting. It's so mm. much faster mm. and easier and more beneficial mm. and more beautiful to just go, okay, let's have a look at this. Let's yeah. open it all up. And yeah. like you said, shine the light on it. Yeah. it. It's it's far less scary than one might think, mm. you know, mm -hmm. really, really oh, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%, 100%. And I think it's so important. Thank you for sharing that, you know, vulnerably and, and, and mm. honestly. And, you know, I completely second that. And I think it's so important for us to just make it very clear that like, everyone has their shit like everyone has their baggage mm -hmm. and we all are on this this journey of of dealing with it of integrating it of unpacking it you know um and it's it's not pretty you know it's it's messy and that's beautiful because it what's what makes us human you know and and celebrating that you know celebrating that is so so important so so yeah. important and sometimes this stuff isn't even ours that's what mm -hmm. i had to dive right into as well is that mm -hmm. okay yes it's mine okay uh yes it's me as hillary as this person but also it's ancestral also it's um the family grew up in who are hands up are an amazing family and they have amazing parents so there's nothing there's no blame game there's you know it's about taking responsibility for myself and for my own emotions and for my own mm -hmm. actions and reactions yeah. that was how i always felt on this journey as well it was never to blame anybody else but it's how i was raised it's the society i was raised in it's the culture it's the yeah. country it's mm -hmm. the like i said the ancestral stuff handed down patterns from generation to generation yeah. and i felt like a deep part of me felt like it was actually my job to break it, mm -hmm. you know, break it for myself and for those that went before me mm -hmm. and for my daughter and son who come after me and, and yeah. beyond, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And this is it. Like there's there's yeah, there's a lot to contend with, you know, as as we are awakening, you know, as a as a species and um and also understanding, like you said, that it's not just it's not just the personal, but it is the collective as well. And, you know, I think it can be easy to because we've become so individualistic in our Western modern society, it can be so easy to get caught in like, 
you know this this vicious cycle of like oh like what's wrong with me and like why am I like this and why is it only me and you know that can happen especially if we're like on our healing paths or spiritual journeys in kind of an isolated context mm-hmm. um you know but for me what, what's been so healing has been discovering that we live you know within these these world systems you know these collective systems and histories of you know colonialism patriarchy we've already mentioned um you know white supremacy capitalism these are all these systems of oppression that have really made such a big imprint on the collective human psyche and we're all feeling that and we all have to contend with that and that has shaped our personalities our belief systems um you know our sense of self mm. so so yeah it is there's there's a lot to contend with there so just remembering that we're we're not alone at all absolutely so one of the posts you put up on your instagram page recently really caught my attention and i absolutely loved it and again i just i dove right into it in my own process and my own thinking um and you talked about intimacy in relationships, meaning intimacy in friendships, intimacy in platonic relationships. Mm. And that really caught my eye because, you know, I have platonic and intimate relationships with men and women outside of my marriage and they are strictly platonic. But it was a really beautiful thing for me to, for, for first of all, for you to put up um, and then for me to dive into it. And I, I, I came back to this, this thinking that you know we used to live in communities we weren't and and you touched on it then where you talked about the individual Mm. um we used to live in communities in close-knit small communities and every member of that community gave us something Mm. gave us i suppose reflected an aspect of our relationship or reflected an aspect of our personalities Mm. and it and it fed us something into our psyche and into and which fed into all our relationships but now we find ourselves in 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 really just very small family units or maybe just with a partner and we expect everything from that one person mm-hmm. and that's what I, I i was diving into because i felt that's really unhealthy to expect everything that we used to get from a community of people now from one person that's a massive amount of pressure and they expect it from us too so you're expected to be you know the confidant and the mother and the the wife and the lover and the friend and the everything Mm -hmm. and and vice versa for men so i wanted to talk a bit more about like having that i suppose not even permission but giving yourself the permission to have intimate relationships that are platonic where you can explore the different parts of yourself mm-hmm. mm, yes yeah i think we massively underestimate the intimacy of friendship and mm. that was only sort of brought back into my awareness a, a couple of weeks ago by a, by a friend and i feel like what comes up immediately for me is even just like touch you know and mm. how much we feel like we can only touch you know give and receive touch freely within the sort of confines of like a monogamous relationship mm-hmm. and something that i've been exploring a lot in the last couple of years and living in different communities that were you know very sex positive and very open where there was touch like freely given between friends between you know lovers and you know just like it was so much more 
it was so much more free mm. and I've really been um bringing that back here and you know sharing more touch like hugs and just yeah. just just a pat on the back you know with my brothers you know and like asking mm. them like do you want a hug like a lot more than I ever would have before and it's mm. always like yes please you know and it's just it builds intimacy and mm. and you know touch between friends um is such a beautiful gift and between my female friends like with some of them I've really explored like a lot of intimate touch without it being sexual mm. it can be sensual it can be pleasurable but it doesn't have to be sexual mm. and that adds so much intimacy so for me that comes back again to like the importance of like knowing what our needs are mm. knowing what our boundaries are and knowing how to ask for consent you know and just being able to like can I give you a pat on the back can I give you a hug like I would love to you know just like stroke your hair or even just you know in the moment if it feels really right like just holding someone like holding the back of their yeah. neck or oh, you know Jesus. just those moments yeah. and it's just like oh yes and I see so little of that you know again it's like we're so like as you said in our you know small family units mm. and yeah especially post pandemic like when we're so touch deprived you oh know? my goodness now yes. more than ever and I'm the same yeah. as you I'm like I'm I'm very tactile so I yeah. really need I really need it and I feel like um I mean this is why people go for massages as well that it literally yeah. it, it 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 down regulates the nervous system to mm -hmm. have that firm soft and and uh consensual touch mm -hmm. and I was thinking again about it like um like I have some friends who I would you know hop into bed with yeah. as in like some of my girlfriends and again we're in our 40s and we'd snuggle and watch Netflix and I still yeah. do that yeah. you know what I mean yeah and it's it's so vital <laughs> you know it's it's amazing and it's amazing to yeah. do it or the hugs and like you said asking or asking or offering yeah offering would you like a hug is mm. the best thing and the hugs that you give oh my word they are just <laughs> so gorgeous uh, they're so so gorgeous mm. I'm just so lucky to have been a recipient of a few of your hugs they've just been amazing um but it's about and again and, and I've noticed actually when you hug and it's a I, I do this with a couple of people we can find the rhythm of our breath and it's beautiful and it really again down regulates the nervous system rather than and there's nothing wrong with this because some people just can't release into a hug rather than holding going okay I'm hugging I'm hugging I'm hugging when's this gonna end when's <laughs> this gonna end is this getting awkward and it's like no let's trust that it's not awkward mm -hmm. and let's trust that we can sink into each other and let's trust that we can regulate our breath together yeah. and we can separate and make eye contact mm -hmm. and it's perfectly normal and perfectly fine and you feel yes. safer doing that yeah. than giving a hug and going is this getting awkward is this getting awkward yeah <laughs> you know? yeah 100% yeah. and yeah, I'll never forget this gem of wisdom that was given to me by like, um, I think she was in her 90s, this, this beautiful old lady in her 90s that I met in um in California on my travels. And she said to me and my then boyfriend, do you want to know the secret to a good hug? And we were like, yes. And she was like, never let go first. And I loved that, oh. loved that. So that willingness to just hold the other person until they feel wow. like, okay. And so I really incorporate that into my hugs, you know, and I'm really like feeling into it. And I believe there was a study done where they actually measured the 
sort of release of you know endorphins and like neurochemicals that you know make us feel really serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin that make us feel amazing mm. during hugs and they did like 20 minute hugs like or sorry 20 second hugs like one minute like seven minutes and it's just the longer we're actually held in an embrace the mm. the better it is for our mental health like the better it is for for our overall health hugs are healing like they really really mm. are so yeah I see it with my kids all the time and like my kids are sick of me sometimes they're just like mommy get off because <laughs> I'm just I'm always going for a hug because I need it but also I want to offer it to them and you know like raise them in a situation where they know they can come you know my dad always said like you want your children to run to you to feel safe and it's it's like when they're babies and they feel safe in your arms, you know, it's the mm-hmm. same thing as, you You know, I want them to grow, you know, throughout their lives and always know that they can return for a hug anytime or go for a hug or offer a hug anytime, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. So healing and so important. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So for me, like touch is is one of the greatest ways to build intimacy for me mm-hmm. in relationships. So how can I bring more touch? Um, into relationships and another um, huge uh, piece that builds intimacy in relationships is vulnerability Mm. and the willingness to be vulnerable the willingness to actually be transparent and authentic and share and be like hey like this really isn't working for me or you know I really I really feel so sad or so angry because you know like are you willing to hold space for me while I share how I'm really feeling Um, yeah and that mm. again is something that is is uncomfortable, scary. Yeah. We've been taught that vulnerability is weakness when actually, if any Brene Brown fans are listening to this, we know that um yeah, vulnerability really is power. You know, it's a, it's a way to 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 deepen so to deepen relationships so so much. Mm, it feels mm. like the ultimate truth and that mm. nothing stands in the face of the truth. I always say that it's mm. your ultimate power. Nothing stands in the face of the truth and vulnerability can take you there. Yes, mm. beautiful, beautiful. Mm. And I think that is another huge medicine that we can gift to one another is the gift of vulnerability. And, and you know, vulnerability is like the most raw form of authenticity you know mm. and, and we're we live in such an inauthentic culture where you know we say one thing but we feel another you know and I I'm still it's such a it's still such a big practice for me because I am definitely you know a, a big people pleaser you know, recovering people pleaser I like to say <laughs> and um and you know I still catch myself where I'm like I say yes or oh I'm fine or you know and then I'm like actually that wasn't very authentic so I yeah for me like I really I heard someone say in some podcast or interview I was listening to maybe last year but it really resonated and you know she was talking about you know everyone seeking enlightenment 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 and she was like I, I tell you now like I believe that like authenticity is is enlightenment like wow. when we can show up 100% transparent authentic when how we feel inside is what we're presenting outside in the world boom like wow that's, that's huge yeah that's a superpower and I'm laughing mm. because if you're a people pleaser I'm I can be the opposite like mm-hmm. I can I can I can give it to you with both barrels and that's nice. not good either you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> it's not though it's just like okay I'm pissed off ah! <laughs> yeah. the room gets terrified mm. um so I'm I'm learning the opposite skill of like 
okay, I need to take a breath and I need to figure out um, the the politician side of me, you know, um, where, you know, I still need to be authentic and truthful 100%. And I'll give you the truth even if you don't like it, you know, mm. but I have to be mindful of my words and how it's delivered. Right. That's my skill that I'm trying right. to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. um, so when it comes to relationships, and I'm sure you've delved into this quite a bit in in the work that you do and the feedback that you've got. What is the recurring theme that is tends to be problematic in relationships that just seems to pop up time and time and time and time again? That maybe has a simple solution. Mm. I think communication is is mm. kind of the biggest one. And I read years ago stayed with me and it was misunderstanding is the greatest distance between two people oh Mm. and so often when we when we have fairly ineffective strategies and how to communicate our needs we can create misunderstanding very quickly Mm. and then that breeds you know separation resentment frustration um and can be really really difficult um so yeah learning how to communicate what our needs are how we really feel inside Mm. like when we can do that in a way like you said that you know um can help bring us closer together rather than further apart Mm. i think that that can add so much to like this the the longevity and health of relationships and so a really good um framework to sort of explore get more support with this is like nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg mm-hmm. so he has kind of a very um it's easy to follow but it takes practice you know but it's like basically just like again growing need awareness so as human beings we all have needs right they're universal sort of requirements for well-being right so we have a need for um love for connection for food for water for mm-hmm. time alone you know like all of these universal needs of which there are many and it's not to be confused with neediness which mm. is you know we can be needy when we're like constantly relying on other people to, to like in a in a like a accelerated way or like there's like too much maybe from one person um so we all have needs and we're constantly trying to have our needs met so everything we say or do pretty much is is an attempt to meet a need or to have a need met right so obviously in our romantic relationships there's a lot of needs that we're trying to have met by our partner and vice versa so developing communication skills um on how to express the needs to express those needs and have them and increase the likelihood of them being met is a huge piece mm-hmm. um yeah the vulnerability again comes up really importantly here and there was another one there that that came up that's just slipped my mind um mm, it'll come back to me in a second anyways mm. if it's supposed to but always communication based anyway i agree yeah. i agree yeah if communication fails mm-hmm. oh yikes yeah and i've been there i've been there many many times in many different scenarios even you know communication within friendships not just the romantic relationships yeah 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 it's fundamental and then the other thing that came back around is um appreciation and gratitude 
Lovely. so big because I think so often and I've seen this in my own past relationships you know we can easily fall into sort of patterns of thinking like the other person isn't doing as much as we are we're giving so much and we're not being recognized we're not feeling appreciated mm-hmm. um, and then resentment can set in pretty quickly and that oftentimes um, you know it's like the all of those moments of resentment built up over years oftentimes is, is actually what can cause a lot of relationships to break down mm. so like having a huge like practice of gratitude being like at the core the foundation of the relationship um you know appreciating the other person even making it a practice of like a week every week or every day like coming together and just being like i really appreciate when you did this i'm so grateful for you for this quality or this gift you know like Mm. simple things but really go a long way that's really lovely because i definitely can fall into a pattern of like of the resentment I definitely I know I, and I recognize that I mean and sometimes I'm like why am I back here again why am I feeling resentful again mm-hmm. um so yeah that's a really really wonderful tip and I love though I, I love that you say that you know it should be almost weekly mm-hmm. and it should be so, maybe a goal to, to be to be set between two people like okay yeah. let's it's like a puja actually yeah. you know it's just yeah. like you know yeah. ritual yeah. yeah an act of adoration in the sense yeah. that you know uh, let's be grateful for each other absolutely yeah. so we pressed pause right at this point in the podcast um, because we were about to finish up but Shanti really wanted to talk about pleasure and how important it is in our everyday lives and how to apply it to our everyday lives. So I hope you enjoy this little section. From my point of view, I feel like pleasure can be underrated completely and it's not talked about enough. Um, and I mean that in, actually in every area of one's life, not just in, in, a, in a sexual sense. How, how would you recommend cultivating pleasure in, a, in your daily life mm-hmm. yeah well thank you so much for speaking to that first and foremost and like a huge part of my work is creating a greater awareness and a reclamation to pleasure as our intrinsic birthright mm. um, because pleasure is actually so foundational for our overall health and well-being and I'm glad that you mentioned you know not just sexual pleasure because the definition of pleasure is feelings of happy satisfaction and joy. Mm. Sorry, feelings of happy satisfaction and contentment. So anything that gives us these feelings is pleasurable, right? So we have like pleasure across the board, like it's huge in its scope. And it is really what I believe like sustains us. It's like the fuel in our tank. Like when we are feeling a lot of pleasure, when we've experienced a lot of pleasure, we're flying high, like we're Mm -hmm. in a great form. You know, it shifts our our neurochemistry. Like we get this rush of feel good hormones that is um, so powerful. It it, it, um, is an antidote to cortisol, to stress. Mm -hmm. And so much of what we've been taught is that pleasure is 
a reward. Our pleasure should be a reward, right? After we've done all the hard work, we've worked all day, we're wrecked, and then we can kind of go for what feels pleasurable. Mm -hmm. Or we've been taught that pleasure is inherently sexual. And so we can only reach for pleasure when we're in a sexual situation in a very sort of specific compartmentalized area of our life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so a lot of what I teach is about like undoing that and actually rewriting the script so that we teach ourselves and train ourselves to reach for pleasure first. Oh, right. I love this. mm, Because when we do that, right, when we fill up our cup, when we fill our tank up with these feel good feelings of contentment and happy satisfaction, our capacity to meet life in all of its challenges and all of its complexity and all of its ups and downs is so much greater mm-hmm. than when we wake up in the morning and like typically it's like there can be anxiety i think for many of us like we feel stress and anxiety almost as soon as we wake up because we start to think about all the things we have to do and the responsibilities and life these days is fucking tough like it's mm-hmm. not easy like there's mm-hmm. a there's a lot of 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 difficulties and responsibilities that we all have to carry and so when we nourish ourselves with pleasure it's such a game changer it is Mm. such a game changer it has been one of the you know biggest game changers in my own life in Mm. in learning myself in learning to reach for pleasure especially when I do things that are hard when I do things that are scary right when I feel really dysregulated pleasure helps me come back to my body to come back to myself and so what does it look like in that moment? Because the way you're speaking about it for me, it would how I would read it is that pleasure in every moment then is presence. Mm-hmm. That's how the way you're describing it is how I would interpret it, mm-hmm. that to be present in every moment and to lean into every moment mm-hmm. uh, that almost dispels any feelings of discomfort or fear or anxiety rather than thinking outside of your body and thinking I must do this next and then this is going to happen and la, 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 la. Mm-hmm. so is it is it a cultivation of deep presence within that mm-hmm. moment absolutely yes 100 percent. like that's that's uh, yeah what really underpins it it's like how much can we be present in our moment to moment experience so that we can actually draw pleasure from the mundane like the everyday tasks that we have to do so basically Mm. we can when we have presence and when we're embodied like when we're aware of what we're doing and we're kind of connected in with our bodies with our sensations in our body Mm. eating a meal becomes this whole different experience right like taking a shower becomes this whole different experience brushing our teeth putting on moisturizer we can make these experiences that we have to do every day very pleasurable Mm. and for me it's about actually sprinkling pleasure into my day through those moments where I take a deep breath or several I come into presence and I'm like okay I'm going to apply this moisturizer here like there's nothing else going on in my world I'm gonna feel every you know caress against my skin I'm gonna breathe into it I'm going to allow it to nourish me 
Mm. And so it's 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 quite simple. It can start out very simple. And then, of course, we can, you know, create like a whole evening or a weekend or a week, which I like to call pleasure retreats, where we take ourselves on these, you know, designated times and spaces where the sole goal and intention is pleasure. Oh, so, you know, and, and then getting up. Yes, yes. <laughs> so then getting really creative with that, right? Because it's going to look different for everyone, right? What's pleasurable for you might not be for me and vice versa and for the next person and so on. So, you know, thinking about it and especially moving away from only thinking about it in a sexual way. So, of course, mm. we can have sexual pleasure, but non-sexual pleasure. So for me, what that looks like is like taking a walk in nature and being mm. really present in nature gives me so much pleasure so much nourishment um and you know incorporating some degree of self-massage every day mm. um you know and that can again be very sensual without being sexual or it can be very sexual it can be it can be any of those things mm. so so simple ways where we can start to bring more pleasure into our daily lives and this is very much again a practice and something that you know we start with very small and builds on itself incrementally over time because we have I think many of us are attuned to suffering or struggle or hustle you know where we've Mm -hmm. been again like you said at the beginning that masculine um you know program of like pushing 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 forcing doing go 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 and when it comes to pleasure it's so much about it is about slowing down, you know, mm. like it's it's hard to be present when there's so much happening when we're going all the time. Mm. So like that slowing down, that being present and then gradually attuning ourselves to pleasure, you know, mm. attuning ourselves to feeling safe in our body. Right. We need to feel safe. We need to feel in our bodies to really allow ourselves that permission to feel the pleasure that is possible in every moment. And that's that was the next thing I was going to talk about as well, was that allowing yourself to feel that pleasure. But sometimes as part of my journey, my journey has been about actually not just giving, but receiving. Mm -hmm. So it's about like, do I deserve this pleasure? Do I deserve this moment? No, I must. And again, I switch back into that. I must go, 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 go. But now I'm trying to switch out of that and switch into, no, I deserve this. Not only do I deserve this. I need this. Yeah. And it's about recognizing that need. And I think the first step for me about presence, the first step that brings me personally, and I'm sure it's different for everybody to presence is gratitude. Mm. And I know gratitude's a real buzzword, you know, but my goodness, for me, it really works. Like I was finding myself in a situation only yesterday where I was working really hard in the garden and I love the garden, but I, f- I felt this old narrative come back and that was like, I do all the work and da, 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 da. you know, it was that resentment again. And I switched it and I went, nope, I'm not buying into that, that, that narrative anymore. And I switched it to, aren't I so lucky that I get to do this? Oh, you know, mm. aren't I so lucky that I get to have my hands in the dirt? Mm-hmm. And aren't I so lucky that I get to create and I'm going to get to grow all our beautiful veg and I get mm. to learn about, you know, building and growing and the cycles of nature. And, and, and it just instantly. Yeah. And that was my pleasure. It, it, yeah. it Gratitude brought me into presence, which led me into pleasure. Yeah. And I'm going to share another pleasure with you because it's really I think it's hilarious because it's just um well, I find it hilarious, not hilarious in a traditional sense, but in a kind of an esoteric sense. One of my greatest pleasures is just before I fall asleep, 
And just before I wake up, you know that period of, it's when your brain switches into the theta brain waves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is one of my favorite states mm-hmm. of being. It is mm-hmm. the most, for me personally, it's the most expanded mm-hmm. form of consciousness that I do on a daily basis, twice mm-hmm. daily, because it's, you know, in the morning and in the evening. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that kind of really lighthearted, giggly, oh my God, anything can happen at that mm-hmm. point. And I always try to become, go with the flow with it, but try to become conscious within it as well, because mm-hmm. you can do and control and see so much in those little theta brain waves. Yeah. And it's, it's a blissful experience for me. Mm-hmm. That's one of my greatest, greatest pleasures. And I look forward to waking up and I look forward to going to sleep oh. for that pleasure is just because my body is in an absolute state of bliss. There's no pain, there's no suffering, there's no, and it's just complete contentment and happiness. And it feels like a complete direct connection to the divine. So that's mm. like anything that will bring me closer to the divine, I'm there. <laughs> yes, I'm there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 100%, I'm right there with you. And for me, pleasure, so many forms of pleasure do take me closer to the divine and 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 I really loved what you shared about just like switching that that story you know that narrative from something that wanted to sort of take you down and you know and and breed resentment and you shifted it and that's so powerful and and we can not only you know give ourselves pleasure through touch and through the physical senses and through sensuality or sexuality but also through our thoughts right it's like there's Mm. so much talk of like you know wellness and meditation and mindfulness and yoga and all of these things you can do and tantra and da 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 but how much can we actually nourish ourselves into greater health wholeness and healing through our thoughts oh right like through our mindset and it is as simple as that as recognizing and catching those thoughts that want to bring our vibration down Mm. and and breed you know greater seeds of suffering and instead nourish ourselves with empowering thoughts with positive thoughts with uplifting inspiring and grateful thoughts and great like gratitude is such a form of pleasure like when we when we're really grateful it's like oh yes like mm, feels so good in your body you know it's beautiful yeah absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. i love that i love that Mm -hmm. and then there's also a piece that very much comes hand in hand with pleasure which is so important to speak into um because i do talk about pleasure so much and i think oftentimes if this especially if this is very new a new concept there can be a kind of a tendency to be like oh that sounds so hedonistic like oh my god like all she ever talks about is pleasure and all she ever wants to do is things that are pleasurable (laughs) bring it on (laughs) (laughs) me too however what's really important in cultivating this conscious embodied relationship with pleasure is the awareness of how much is enough ah. mm, because we have been so repressed for so long like sexually but in in so many ways like we've been mm. so repressed that there is such a dis and we've experienced so much suffering as a collective as a people's mm. and disconnection and disconnection mm. that there is such a, a, a an impulse to go into excess with pleasure right and we see this all the time in our culture whether it's drink whether it's drugs whether it's porn Mm. sex whatever like all of those like instant gratifications like there's such a draw to go so deeply into them 
and so when it comes to to pleasure and 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 of course like you know all of those things i've mentioned do offer us pleasure but learning to to have this relationship of enough Mm. and it's such a a great question to ask ourselves like i do it now with chocolate because i'm such an avid massive (laughs) massive chocolate fan like oh my god and i you know can can definitely eat like a whole block of you know like my favorite is the green and blacks velvet edition oh my god Mm. 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 if you haven't tried it please do um (laughs) i know what to bring you next time (laughs) (laughs) thank you um and you know having a couple of squares and then being like okay like how much is enough you know and you know how much how much sex is enough like how much love is enough how much connection is enough how much pleasure is enough just like determining where that boundary lies for yourself mm. is very empowering to know right it creates greater agency and and sovereignty i believe Absolutely. And uh, can I make an offering as well? And this is something I learned from my son, who is six Mm. years old, but he would have asked this question. I suppose he was four. I remember I used to write down quite a quite a lot of things that that he um, said and asked. But this question always resonated with me. And it was about food, but it was about everything else actually in his life. And he used to ask the question, Mummy, is this good for me? And I always stayed with me. I went, that's amazing that he has that, I suppose, level of consciousness and curiosity Mm. to ask that question, is this good for me? Mm. And it's something that I always try to now apply to my own life Mm -hmm. when perhaps I'm feeling slightly imbalanced and and I do have hedonistic qualities, Mm -hmm. call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. um, And I have to ask myself, is this good for me? Yeah. And I and I and I keep coming back to that, and it's like, oh my god, thank you, thank you for for teaching me that. You know, oh is this god. good for me? Mm. Wow, mm. amazing, amazing. Yeah, thank you for sharing mm. that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Again, speaking into this pleasure piece and how how important it is. At least it has been for me and and many people who I know who sort of practice this way of living. Um, you know, when we when we prioritize pleasure you know, it, it, it nourishes the, 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 the radiance within us, right? Mm. We become more, more luminous, more lustrous when we are really like consciously engaging with that, with what makes us feel really good. Mm. And that in turn has this beautiful knock on effect of deepening. And you, you mentioned it already of deepening this sense of, of worthiness, right? It's like, I am enough. I am worthy to receive this much pleasure. And that deepens then this this you know self love that that is so vital that is so mm. integral in in this relationship deepening this relationship with ourselves which we've spoken about and how important that is. So for me, pleasure, pleasure is, is so key. It's such a key. It's such a missing link. And mm. when we place that back into the you know to the mix the ingredient is such a key ingredient in living a healthy happy wholesome life Mm. yeah it's it's really really fantastic almost to be viewed like a ritual i would suggest Mm. you know Mm. a daily ritual or you know you know absolutely a way of life a way way of of life life. yeah Yeah. you said it you absolutely said it yeah a pleasure-based life it's yeah Mm. i mean what could be better i don't know I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, what could be better? And it's and and what what's you know the more that you talk about it, the more that it's, and and this is something that it's been a thought process for me. But I, I'm coming back to it again. 
we have complete authority over that yeah by the choices that we make on a daily basis uh and and again i think that stems from truth yeah you know what is your truth and what is your what's your vulnerability what's your truth what do you need okay well then let's shape the pleasure around that Mm. and not feel um not feel guilty about it yeah yeah i mean it's literally called a guilty pleasure Exactly. You know? And exactly. it shouldn't, you know, maybe we should rebrand it to something else. Yeah. <laughs> As a guilt free yeah. pleasure. Guilt free pleasure. Love mm-hmm. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so and so there is, you know, and it's yeah, it's 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 definitely worth mentioning that, you know, when we start to engage with pleasure as a practice, these things will come up, you know, the guilt and the, you know, am I worthy of this? Um, you know, am I being hedonistic? And, and you know, so it's like, again, compassion is really important, mm. you know, when we're sort of going on this, because I think even the word pleasure can be quite loaded for some people and can bring up a lot in and of itself. There can be many associations that might not be very healthy or very supportive. Mm. So to kind of even go on some reflective, introspective journey, you know, journeying with that, to come to a place where pleasure is something that we equate on the same level as like health and you know like health and well-being like pleasure is part of that equation it's 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 such a big part of that equation Mm -hmm. so that it's not left down bottom of the pile well okay you know i'll try and work on my mental health and i'll try and work on my health and i'll try and work on my career and my relationships and then at the very end what's left over gets a little bit of pleasure but you're right if you infuse pleasure throughout the whole thing everything will improve anyway exactly exactly Mm. yeah wow Mm. love it Mm. i'm gonna take a leaf out of your book definitely Okay, so I have, this is the Live Wild podcast. So there is a Live Wild quick fire pop quiz. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's a personal pop quiz for Shanti. Are you ready for it? I think so. Hit me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so your name is Shanti. Mm-hmm. And that's either a chosen name for you or a given name for you. And it means peace or inner peace. This is what I Googled before we you know, had this chat. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, have you found that yet? Your peace Ooh. or your inner peace? Ooh, beautiful question. <laughs> mm, more and more. Yes, more oh. and more. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it is such a practice and sometimes it does filter away, but then it always comes back. And I mean, it's it's always there within me, within each one of us, ultimately. Mm. Um, but the more that I cultivate peace, consciously like of course the more I experience of it which is mm. so beautiful mm. Mm, lovely and I, I I'm I'm glad that you say yes I have it but then it filters away because it makes me feel less uh needy towards my own oh my god where's it gone mm. I had this mm-hmm. inner peace and this mm-hmm. inner radiance and where yeah. my inner kingdom was shining and now it's gone and then I'm like, no, no 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 and you're right it's a practice 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 mm. uh I think I know the answer to this and I've asked this of a couple of people but do you believe in magic Oh, one hundred million percent. <laughs> <laughs> I use the word magic all of the time, all yeah. of the time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm with you on that. I am with you. Um, uh, this, I, 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 when I wrote this question, I was like, oh my god, is this sounding saucy? But I'm going to ask it. What is your favorite tantric? I'm going to call it movement, mm. and why? 
tantric movement. I know, I made it up. Because <laughs> I was like, if I say tantric position, it's going to sound really saucy. And I didn't want it to sound salacious, you know. And okay. it goes back to this guilt thing again, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like after the, after the conversation we've already had. And I'm like, oh. Mm. Mm. Yeah, just naming that the the, the shame can, it, it creeps up. Like it's, it's. Yeah there you know it's good to name it i didn't want um, it to sound like you know uh sunday world right <laughs> what's your there. favorite position and why i was like oh, <laughs> what's your favorite tantric movement how do i reword that mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a tantric movement so basically tantric position as well yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. nice oh, yeah. thanks thanks um, for calling me on it thank <laughs> you <laughs> so that's an interesting question because for me it's not so much about the position but it's about the quality of of presence and connection mm. within any position and that for me is what makes it tantric awesome yes awesome yeah awesome, awesome. so it's so it looks like um are we breathing together like are we mm-hmm. are we are our bodies moving in like a rhythm in sync that feels really pleasurable for both of us are we connected through our eyes like are our hearts connected mm-hmm. are our souls connected so whatever position we're in whether when that's aligned that's my favorite one <laughs> mm, amen to that <laughs> yep absolutely absolutely um what do you stand for peace peace and freedom and love yeah beautiful beautiful Mm. uh if you were to distill yourself down to an essence what would your essence be Mm. god i love these questions (laughs) (laughs) um what comes up to mind is um rose light filled rose Mm. wow yeah shimmering shimmering golden rose like rahani fifth dimension stuff <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is, but yes, I yes. will take it. <laughs> wow, shimmering rose, that's gorgeous. Um Shanti, what's mm-hmm. the wildest thing you've ever done? <laughs> I actually can't answer that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But one memory that did that does come to mind when when I hear wildest things ever done. You're pinching the bridge of your nose. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's like, oh my god, how do I how do I get okay, how do I get past this question? Okay. Yeah, okay. It was just something from my wild youth was um I remember being in UCC. Um I didn't go there, but I had a bunch of friends there and we'd been out the night before, so I was, you know, very much hungover and like, you know, in that kind of reckless um state of mind. And I was with some friends and we went to go and kind of peer in the window, the door, you know, it was like the door with the window inside of it into a lecture hall. Mm. And we could see some friends and we were waving and I just kind of bulldozed past my friends and just like lifted up my top <laughs> and just flashed my friends in the window and whoever else happened to be looking at the window at that moment. Um, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. In the lecture hall. If you missed it, well. Yes. There you go. <laughs> oh, actually, another, sorry just on the tail end of that maybe one of the wilder things I don't know if it's wild but it's definitely saucy was to have sex in the archives of the UL library in my (gasps) final year as I was studying for my final exams because I was like I have to have sex in this building it's given me so much 
pain and suffering <laughs> through studying, which I'm, you know, not massively academically inclined. It's not my zone of genius. Like I don't like to sit at a desk and like stuff information into my brain from a book and a computer. Mm. So yeah, that was one thing I promised myself I had to do. And, and that was, was a great. healing. It was a healing. It was, it was a healing. You know, it wasn't just casual sex. It was it a was, healing. It was a healing. It was. Absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what's the one thing you do every day that helps you live wild and free? Beautiful. Mm. Journaling and shaking and and meditation. Three things. But the yeah. shaking. I oh, took that yeah. from you. Actually, I call it the shanty shake. Oh, nice. The shanty <laughs> I shake. Love yeah. it. If I'm feeling stuck, I'm like, OK, I need to. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching you do that when we were down on that retreat and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And then we spoke about it afterwards and it's like it jiggles all this stale energy yeah. out of your body. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and bringing deep breaths and sound as well. So breath, sound, and movement is how you move energy up and out of your body. Mm, yeah, awesome, so, awesome. Yeah. This has been a beautiful, illuminating, wonderful conversation, as it always is, both mm -hmm. in public and private. So I'm so glad that we get to share this to hopefully um, a wider audience, and that they um, enjoy it most of all you know mm -hmm. yeah so thank you thank you shanti for joining me in this conversation mm, absolutely my pleasure thank you again and yeah wishing you all the best with all of these amazing conversations thank you mm. that's a love much love to you mm -hmm.